and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yes, this week we watched episodes 7 and 8 of Alchemy of Souls Part 2. And they were some of the best episodes yet. Oh my god, it was so good. I'm like, there's one part in particular that I'm so excited to jump into and talk about that I'm worried. Okay, let's just get straight in. No, no real intro here. Um, I was so on board for Scorched Earth, Burn It Down to the Ground, Jungkook, uh, when Seoyul <gasps> was sick. I like oh. literally up until the lit- the actual point of the Crown Prince coming out and trying to reason with him. I was like, yeah kill him like do, do it all kill every single person in your path i don't care <laughs> i don't care this feels this, right to me this is the aos that we signed up for like i think that's the moment that reminded me how much sword fighting was in season one yes. especially compared to season two where i was like this is what i'm here for baby yeah and i think the even more wild part is it wasn't so much like sword fighting as it was like Jungkook walking through and decimating everything in his path, which, like, I love a sword fight, but there's also something about an OP character just kind of losing it, right? Yeah, that it makes really sense does why they it. didn't do sword fights anymore. Yeah, they're like, he's literally too powerful. Anyone he tries to sword fight would be decimated. It, it would disintegrate. Yeah, there's no point in doing sword fights anymore. He's become his most powerful self. It's so cool to watch. Yeah, they gave us one. One where he walks through and just destroys everybody and everything. Yeah. For friendship. For friendship. He loves Seo-yo. He loves Seo-yo and so do we. Sometimes. He's a complicated boy this season. I've been a little bit done with him. He is like... I keep no secrets except from the people who need to know the secrets the most. <laughs> fair. Fair. <laughs> he's becoming more problematic. But he's, I mean, there's so many worse characters that it's hard to be mad at him for long. Yeah, I think to me, it just got like so rough that he was just out there like spreading the good word, the bad word about like what's going on up until the point when he was like, should I tell Jungkook? Nah. (laughs) Like literally he was telling every single one, (laughs) every single person. Didn't he just talk to Master Lee and Yunok? Well, he talked to Master Lee, he talked to Yunok, but then he was, like, going around- I guess to me, I'm like, Yunok was the worst person that you could have told. And he didn't. Like, that's that's way more on her. That's what I meant, like, yeah. there are people who I am mad at, and one of them's not so yo, because yeah. she's just so much worse. I think also, too, as well, though, it's kind of rough that he, like, went to everyone and he was like, this is my fault, I'm definitely gonna undo this. But it was more because he was like, just give Naksu a minute and she'll just disappear. But he's not, I like... To me, that was very, like, I'm gonna just go tell everyone what's going on. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm in the wrong here and he's not telling everyone, but it just kind of felt like he was a lot more Gabby and, like, sharing the secrets these two episodes when last episode he was literally like, I'm gonna make every decision by myself without consulting a single other person. That's fair. But he, yeah, didn't tell Naksu's secret because he was like, she's gonna die. 
Oh, but also, um, he told Lady Jin. Oh, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. I felt like it was fine in that I would have done the same thing and been like, it's like, Noxie's gonna die, everything's okay. But he's clearly not in the chess game that everybody else is playing, so it felt like a really bad move. They, like, yeah. played the spooky, tense music when she was like... <gasps> I've gained new information. This is going to be dangerous for everybody else. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) I think that's the toughest part is that, like, he, like you said, everyone else is playing chess and Sue Yul is playing checkers, but that's so different from what I want from his character. I want him to also be playing chess, but for the good guys. I want him to be on the good guy team playing chess. This is yeah. the best metaphor ever. It's I'm following <laughs> you, and I get it. It's difficult when nobody shares information. So I think we've only got Master Lee, who is information dropping all over the place, sort of, but sort like, <laughs> but like conflicting information. Where you're like, which one of these pieces of information is true? And he's like, I honestly don't know. I'm kind of just playing the wait and see game. Um. <laughs> But I feel like the people who are playing chess are playing 3D chess and nobody else is keeping up. It's like Jimmu, the Crown Prince, Jong-uk, and Lady Jin are on a different level. Mm-hmm. And they're playing this wild game that nobody else can keep up with. Yeah, it's- with every moving piece. <laughs> yes! With every moving piece. So I get why Soyul is like, I don't know what's going on. But here's what I do now, and I can make this one thing better. And it's like, you can make one thing better, but you might make five things worse. So maybe don't participate, yeah. so you'll... Stop participating, because you are, yeah, you're making a lot of things worse. And then, yeah, Yunok is just making everything. Oh, God. She's, she just took the crown. She maybe took the crown as my least favorite character from Jin Chou-yun. Like, there is a solid Ooh. chance that she has out pettied and out problematic uh i don't know there's just so many instances with jin chuyang but still it's rough like she i think i kept holding out hope for her where obviously in terms of a romantic relationship she was hopeless they had written her off as just the worst person but in terms of friendships i thought she still had some hope i thought they could still redeem her in my eyes and be like she's gonna get over the relationship stuff relationship stuff eventually and she's gonna be this cool homie again to all the dudes in this show that need her help and they were like nope actually she's gonna betray the trust of a really important character in a really significant way yeah and still like and her justification is so frustrating did she have one? It, well, she was talking to So Yul after she throws medicine all over Buyan. And she is talking about how, like, Naksu needs to just remember who she is and GTFO because she already hurt, like, someone they love in the worst way or some shit. But it's kind of one of those things where it's like, is that your call to be the protector here? Is that, like, you're going to be the guy that makes this massive, massive, poisonous decision to force 
someone down a certain path because you gained one tiny piece of information and you're you've been obsessed with this guy for three years yeah absolutely not you have no relationship with jungkook you do not get to be the one that ruins his new relationship with somebody else yeah you're not his protector you are not the guy who comes in and saves the day at the absolute most that you can do if you really think that she's a dangerous person is fucking talk to someone like talk to an adult because you are not (laughs) but yeah even from the start of this storyline what was her justification for opening soyul's letter that was never explained and like maybe it's too far gone to be like well i did it and your letter had some insane information so like we don't need to talk about why i opened it we're just going to talk about what was in it but like can we not even ask why you were going through his personal belongings and reading a sealed letter that was not addressed to you? He's sick. He was sick, so I had to read his mail. I'm sorry, that's not okay ever. I, oh, yeah, I'm like dwelling on the wrong thing because we're so far past it, but I'm like, that was the start. That was the start of me (laughs) losing respect for her in a completely different way from the respect I had already lost for her. Yeah. How? How? How does it keep getting worse with her? Yeah. Yeah. Because we can't have any cool female characters in this show. <laughs> we start. <sighs> I thought we got Naksu back. Okay, I don't want to make this a complaint party, but a little complaint party. We, we got Naksu back. We got her memories. We put her in one fight. I thought she would go in and be like, Jinmu, I want to fight you to the death. That would have been optimal. <laughs> oh, that would have been so cool. So good. Oh my Give her god. A sword that and fight him to the death. I like the idea of her being like, if I'm going out anyway, I'm going out fighting the fuck out of Jinmu. Like <laughs> I don't care to be in this world anymore. I'm taking you with me. Absolute primo ending for that character. I I wanted it. Instead she goes into the shadow prison. Which I loved for itself. I loved the horror elements that this second season has brought in. It was so spooky. It was so cool. I didn't love that her first combat encounter, she runs away, then trips, then gives up. I was like, no, you have the memories back now, bitch. Like, no (laughs) more excuses. Get up and fight. Yeah, that also was very, yeah, for me, very infuriating because, yeah, we've been waiting for this the whole time, the whole time. And when she got her memories back, was it stressful? 100%. Of course it was because they had just revealed that Master Lee is a lying liar who lies. (laughs) (laughs) And she actually, her getting her memories back has nothing to do with her survival as Naksu. Because she's going to become Booyan. I guess no matter what, little girl Booyan is pretty convinced that, and like, who knew that Booyan, like, actual Booyan, was going to be the bad guy? Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) What a plot twist. Because she is, she, if everyone's playing 3D chess, then she's like, she's like playing planar chess. She's playing like interdimensional chess because this was her plan the whole time. That she, she was like, I'm going to get my powers back. I'm going to get my sight back. I'm going to get my body back. I'm going to get all of it back by just feeding off of this assassin sorceress. I'll just show up early, episode one, season one, 
I'll do everything I want my way and play the long ass game. And she did. (laughs) And she's the bad guy. And I was like, fine, whatever. I guess Noxu's going to die, but at least we've got her back. We've got our girl back. We've got our girl. We don't. Who is, who is that running through the forest? Like an absolute coward. I see only myself on the screen right now. You gotta stop running. Pick up a stick and hit a ghost. Like, I don't know what the play is here. My impression is that she still doesn't really have powers. She just has memories. But still, you're not suit now. Stop doing this. Stop doing yeah. whatever it is you're doing. What are you, hey, Noxu, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Come on. You're not being Noxu, and I need you to be Noxu right now. Yeah, but I guess a man is going to come save her. Um, Somehow? Somehow. He just shows up. (laughs) Explain to me. (laughs) Who let him in here? (laughs) Who let this man in the shadow dimension, in this prison, this like interdimensional prison that they've created. I just assumed they only had one door. Yeah, but the ice stone makes a door, so. I guess? I guess. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Like, fine. She used the egg to summon him. It's great. I love a damsel in distress moment. I just wish she wasn't in such distress. I just wish she wasn't covering her eyes waiting to be killed. Yeah. I want a damsel in distress moment where, like, Seo Yul is the damsel in distress. I don't really care for a. Uh, we have all bad female characters except this one, and she she's different. She she needs a man. She really needs a man <laughs> right now. But yeah, they could write it in a way that I would be fine with because I love damsels in distress so much. They could honestly, they could just have her fight and be clearly not going to win. Like, again, she didn't go in with weapons, she didn't go in prepared, she might not have her powers, but they could still show her trying to survive and be like, clearly she's not going to. That's when someone else steps in. But like, no. It's that same thing where uh, we've talked about where we're like, we'll still make her knock Sue, even if she's not... If, if she doesn't have her memories, if this is Naksu who is walking around, draw some through lines, right? Make the character correlate, correlate to the Naksu we had before. So even if she's not, you know, hardened from her years alone as a child training to become a sorceress assassin, maybe she still has like these little things about her that re- like call back to and remind us very directly of her actual personality. Cause they have callbacks to like scenes where they're like, and then that gives her a memory or whatever, but it's usually like triggered by someone else saying something or like she says something that was similar to what someone else said. It's not her being herself and then being like, Oh shit, I've, I've done this before. Or like, I, this is me. And this this is the through line to who I was before or whatever. They give us none of that all the way up through her regaining her memories. So it's like, she now knows that she's a fighter. She knows that she's going to do anything and everything, that she's been a badass, that she, even when she didn't have her powers and she was stuck in a body that had no energy, no powers, couldn't do anything, everything was locked away. And she still like took part in this big, insane race against all of the other competing servants and she's like this tiny little woman 
who books it like up a hill and with no one's help wins third place or whatever, right? Because she's a fighter. She's always going to fight for that shit, even if it's a hopeless situation. And they've given us none of that. Yes, that is exactly the moment that I was thinking of because she had no outside help. She had no powers. She was just a regular person running a race. And that's what I wanted from the Wraith scene. I wanted it to show that Naksu was back because she walked so confidently into the prison. She's like, this is going to be just as good as if I had tried to challenge Jinmu to a fight to the death. Like, don't worry, viewers. This is a really scary thing. It's a big challenge. But I'm walking to it head held high. Like, don't worry, guys. I got this. And then hurdle number one, she's like, I guess I die. <laughs> and that's it. That's it from me. Deuces. Deuces. <laughs> Give us anything else. Like, have her pick up the little blue marble and throw it at the red marble. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But let's try anything. That's what Naksu would do. It was weird. It was a little disappointing. I... <laughs> Oh, I guess just make out again, because those are the scenes that I like between you two. Yeah, they do some good kissing. They do some, <laughs> their smooching is on point. They got the chemistry down. <laughs> yep, as soon as they started, I was like, okay, okay, we're not doing weird, sad kisses. We're not doing weird, push your lips slightly together kisses. They're active participants, and that's fun. And then it kept going, and I was like, oh, this is a long kiss. And then episode eight turns on. <laughs> right at the top, and they're like, we're going to get a little spicy. We're going to hint at undressing. Okay. It's that kind of make-out sesh. Oh my god, your sister's right outside. <laughs> but I mean, go for it. And She's like, waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but like, that was fire. Yeah. They did good. They did good with that. I was appreciative. I like a little spice. Give me a little spice. Just a little spice. I don't know yeah. why I'm... I am a prude. I don't need Bridgerton-level spice. Mm-mm. Yeah. Just the tiniest wink at spice. For K-dramas, you don't need to give me much. No. You don't... I, but they did the exact appropriate amount where I was like, I'm satisfied by their by their chemistry. Yeah. They could have faded to black. They could have come back later. But also, it's fine where they ended, where they were like, it's not the right time. It is midday and people are waiting for you. Um, <laughs> we're going to cut this short. Someone's going to come looking for you literally any minute. And it's like, okay, well, that that's very reasonable. Let's not do this here. <laughs> Completely fair. But also, I liked the spice. You guys... Yeah connected and i like that and i did like i was a little annoyed that they finally effectively and clearly communicated right before the makeout scene like it's one of those things where i get a little bit too little too late but that's probably <laughs> not fair because it was good communication where he was super super clear and she was super super clear and they were kind of cute about it near the end when she started blowing on his face <laughs> and um so I appreciated that. And then I also appreciated the, I guess, sincerity of their interactions after um, where he was, you know, making big promises, but he was like, we've got to make this work within the terms of what we're being given, but I'm going to, I'm going to work so hard to get your mom to let me marry you. It was very cute. It's 
hard to immediately heel turn into another breakup. Yeah. And a pretty understandable one. She's going through a lot. I think she needs some space. I really appreciate when people start falling in love and then they're like, I'm actually going through a personal crisis right now. I'm going to need to be completely alone. We mm-hmm. cannot be together right now. That's really cool. I love that. Don't love the approach. Yeah. It was very Naksu, though, to just immediately <laughs> lie. That was There's the through line. We found there, it. We found it. Emotionally, <laughs> she is absolutely Naksu. <laughs> Fair. Um, that's fine. Did you like the kind of funny juxtaposition in the f- earlier episode? Like, we went from the end of episode seven. This is chronologically backwards, but that's how my mind works for this podcast. So we're working backwards. We've got the end of episode seven. They've got the confession, the apology, everything's out in the open. Mid-episode seven, we had a little joke time about how they might both be virgins, and they definitely have not been intimate. Yeah. Good or bad? How did you feel about that scene? Um... I think that, are we talking about the same scene where we find out Jin Choyun could reasonably be pregnant? Yes, unfortunately. Okay. Cut yeah, that half of the scene from your okay. mind. Because that half of the scene really, really um, weighed heavily on my mind, the way my eyes rolled. <laughs> Because here's the thing, is that good for them, good for them. But at the same time, why? (laughs) (laughs) Because it felt so frustrating on the heels of them getting back together, like last episode. It was Mm -hmm. like, if you are a fan of Park Dong-gu and Jin Cho-yeon, I cannot imagine how disappointed you must be in their storyline this season. It's the worst it's they're doing a bad job like i didn't like it and it felt like they only got together to have that scene in this episode yeah where they could be like we can't do the magic thing because we had sex and it's like oh that's why you're together again okay okay well wait that feels so satisfying as a storyline thank you yeah yeah um Yeah, they couldn't be doing really a worse job with making me (laughs) believe in or care about that relationship. It feels very season one uh, Park Jin and Maid Kim. Yes. Where I just couldn't care less and it feels like wasted time. (laughs) Yeah. Wasted time and like dramatic for no reason and (laughs) I just, yeah. Anyway, so there's that and then they turn around they're like and also the couple that's been married and was using a possible baby as an excuse to stay married actually has never had sex and it's like well there's the reason that Jin Cho Young couldn't be the person who did it because they had to have a reason to actually be able to separate them um because otherwise they could have been the oh she's pregnant couple but it's like okay well if the choice is between lying or saving Seo Yul I guess she's not pregnant and there's no way that she could be pregnant um but that was really as far as I got with like I didn't really care about it as a joke that much or anything like that for me I was just kind of like well cat's out of the bag and it has to be because Jin Cho-yeon sucks <laughs> so does her not just her like she doesn't suck because she could be pregnant. She sucks because she could have 
been absolutely not pregnant and helped out here. But then she had to have a stupid, annoying storyline that so that I don't know. It, it just felt inconvenient or perfectly convenient to add drama. And the whole time I was just kind of like, ugh, fine. I think it's like everything else where they could have just come up with something else for her instead of being like, you can't possibly be pregnant. You shouldn't do this if you are. Like, there are so many other scenes where Jin Choyun steps out of the way so that Jin Buyun can do something really cool. And usually it's just that she's like, I want to hang out with Park Dong-gu. And yeah. that's it. And that's all I need from her excuses. So that felt weird and frustrating. I was like, I don't need to know. But I did. Okay, I'm a simpleton. So I did laugh a little bit at the uncomfortableness between Jin Buyan <laughs> and Jong-uk. Like, oh, I don't know why it got to me. But I was like, that's <laughs> kind of cute and funny. And then by the end of the episode, they're like, we got to fix this. This is ridiculous. We banging right now. Right. We're going to do this. <sighs> I liked it. I don't know. But also, it's I fun. just liked that storyline. It was, <laughs> I wanted more complications to it. I don't know why, but I. it was weird to be like, okay, so there's two big problems with getting to the Firebird. And number one can be solved really simply with this little marble. And number two can be solved really simply with Jong-uk's big stockpile of gold. It's like, okay, then you have zero problems. <laughs> um, that was pretty simple. But it then, was very straightforward. Then you get Jong-uk and Buyan and Crown Prince in the same room working on the same task. And it's honestly, Alchemy of Souls is going to be my favorite show. Like, we need more of that. Yeah. Those three, to like, actually working on a project together, we love it. I'm still... Okay, actually, sorry, it's a little bit of a heel turn, but I want to give us as much time as possible to talk about the crown prince, because Absolutely. he's very... He, as usual, is very interesting. I'm obsessed with him. Every scene he was in was better because he was there. <laughs> Even when it was kind of like he's being a problem... He is still not a problem to me because he's been such a consistently good character, like yes. interesting character, that I am invested in where his headspace might be. But like starting at the beginning, because we kind of talked about it, but we didn't go too into detail, uh, beginning of episode seven, when he's talking Jungkook down off a cliff, and he's doing an amazing job and I'm obsessed with the way that he communicates with Jungkook because Jungkook is constantly in a place where he is not ready to really forgive and be bros but the crown prince really is like he's a very mature about their relationship and even in that moment where he's like I'm not protecting Jin Mu I am protecting you you dumb idiot it was so Beautiful. good oh yeah. it was so good and then he only gets better. <laughs> like, obviously, if you're not a Crown Prince fan, like, skip right now because it's going to be a whole segment. Like, you, mm -hmm. I am doing a lot of writing in my head, but I feel like you're on the same page as me where he's got to be tricking Jinmu at this point. Jinmu yeah. took his turtle away. That was the breaking point for our Crown Prince. And now he is working the puppet master. 
he is like, mm, I am not on your team anymore. Please let me into your inner circle. I want to know everything. Yeah. Give me every tool that I can use against you. Can't wait. Yeah. I am very same page because if they write his character consistently and they don't screw us over as big crowns, crown prince stands, and they have given us no reason to think that they would do that. So if he's being written consistently, then this is like he is currently working to protect Jungkook. I don't think that he is obviously like he identifies he he bases a lot of his identity on being the crown prince, right? And he's going to be the king. And but at the same time, I do not think that Jin Mu revealing that Jungkook is has the king star or whatever is something that is going to be surprising or insanely difficult for the crown prince because i think it was already implied that there's like a lot going on with who jungkook is back in season one and like like his birthrights and everything like when he got the ice stone and decided to take on all of the terrible parts of the responsibility and he was telling the crown prince like you've got to be the hero here or whatever and i can't even actually fully remember that storyline super well (laughs) um But anyway, so I think that at the end of the day, that is not going to change his character fundamentally into like being a bad guy that wants to be on Jinmu's side and oust Jungkook and just send him to the north just for the sake of getting him out of the way. I think that that is a play of like, we've got to smoke out Jinmu, right? It's got to be because if it's not, then I'm so sad. No, it so is. Like, I feel to your point He's still kind of ambiguous in terms of the crown prince's perspective and relationship with Dongook. We cannot be for sure. I'm pretty sure they're teaming up. Pretty sure they're working together at this point. Each of them knows what the other one's next move is going to be because they are tight. We've got the bromance going. But that is what's in my heart. Mm -hmm. What I know absolutely is that the crown prince is team turtle. Like, that dude is obsessed with the turtle. He loves that turtle. And so once Jin Mu was like, your turtle's gone, you can ask me where it is, but um, if you do, you will reveal your weakness to me. It felt like that was, yeah, the breaking point, the very like, okay, Jin Mu's going down, I'm done with this guy. Like, I... I have so little in this life and this dude for no reason other than to push my buttons and like force my hand took my turtle. Yes. So now I feel like everything's changed. We are in the end game and the crown prince is probably on Jungkook's side. Yes. I also think that if they were not on the same page on some level of like what the plan is, both either spoken or unspoken, but in this case, like unspoken. If they were not on the same page, then I don't think that Jungkook would have just been like, yep, I'm going to the north. Bye, Buyan. Yeah. Like, I don't, or Naksu, or, you know, I don't think he would have been like, that will just have to wait until later because, the, like, he was already, yeah, trying to, I don't know, get her hand in marriage and, even if she just broke up with him, it's like the plan kind of got enacted around the same time that that happened. But I just don't think he would have been like, yep, I'm the northern jet. I'm the general of the north now. Bye. I've got to go. Like, it just. The 
crown king because <laughs> the king asked me to. So I've yeah. got to go be the general of the north. Like, that is not Jong-uk. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit about what the king <laughs> asks him to do. Yeah. And he has every reason to stay where he's at. So... This is a plot, and we love it. Yeah. And they have to be teaming up, and they have to be bros, because if they are not, especially after the scene where the crown prince really leveled with Jong-uk, finally. Like, he's been leveling with him consistently through this whole season. He's been like, I am not your enemy. I am doing my best. We, I don't have ill will toward you. <laughs> like, you're but a I difficult person. I can appreciate person. your ill will towards me. I will not yeah. ask you to forgive me. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Perfection. Oh, we gotta wrap up, but like, I Gosh, have yeah. to ask you about, because you've been really wary of the Crown Prince's relationship with Jim Buyan, and mm-hmm. I felt very validated, very vindicated in the moment that they revealed their identities, and he was like, oh, you're Jong-uk's wife. That's cool. That's fine. It felt very like, yes, sigh of relief. He does not have these emotional attachments that he had to Naksu. He does not have this jealousy towards Jong-uk that he had with Naksu. They're just friends. Yes, I, I had the same sense of relief to an extent, but they still played the jealousy card on the Jong-uk side just a little bit where, I don't know, I just felt like a, a vibe of like, oh, that's who you've been talking to? It wasn't a eunuch? Like, that's fair. Yeah. And so they still used it, which... <laughs> fine okay jealousy plot whatever it's fine i just but it was validating for them to be like and that's done and everyone knows who everyone is and it's not a big deal and we're not gonna play the game yes it's not like the weird scene where master lee comes back and everyone gets weird about it it is jungkook making little side eye but everyone else being like yeah we're the friends from the stories and here's everything that we've talked about ever (laughs) so good i really liked it yeah yeah i did like that too very very last comment just because credit where credit is due uh i was a, a pretty big fan of park Jin showing up the way he did in the beginning of episode seven i was like okay it finally a homie finally a homie here we go yeah that was good that was good. Can I do one? <laughs> We're just going to keep going. We just want baby more. shows just up and more. ruins our podcast. <laughs> just one more thing. Opposite of that, it felt like things escalated. Pieces were moving. They were like, a war is going to break out because this person's going to hear this thing and this person's going to make this move and yada, yada, yada. Then we get to Lady Jin, and she's like, I don't want the war to be kind of with my name on it. I don't want to be the last one who's not going to move. I have to de-escalate this situation personally. I hate getting involved, but I know that everyone will point their fingers at me and be like, you kind of caused the war if I don't end this now. Then she immediately turns around and is like, but I want my daughter back. Like... If I was Jong, I thought he was going to be like, no, like you dummy. The whole reason we're having this conversation is so a war doesn't break out. Not so that you can yeah. have your daughter back. You have no negotiating power here, ma'am. Yeah. 
That I think that 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 would have been such a smart and interesting way to play out the conversation. Obviously, it would have taken away all of the complication of episode eight. But yeah, I really, really wanted that. I really wanted that because it was also obvious to me where I was just like, she doesn't have negotiating power. Either she is a normal person who saves the life of like a beloved mage to all or she lets him die and his blood and the blood of everyone who dies in the war after is on her hands because she had every reason to stop it and no reason to not except that she's not getting her way about her daughter who is a person with autonomy. It was insane. I didn't understand it. Yeah, I hated that. I hated that. But I'm not surprised because she is so creepy, obsessed with controlling <laughs> her daughter. But like, but she can live outside of her cage now, so that would be nice. Yeah, how nice! Because Sylol spilled some beans and was like, "Just let her live outside of her cage until she becomes your actual daughter. It's fine. Noxu will die." <laughs> what? Okay. What's happening? But also, the good things. Good things are finally happening. I'm really excited. We're on we're on board now. Our tunes have completely changed. Team yeah. Alchemy of Souls, here we go. End game. Yeah, right in time for the finale. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're also super stoked on this show, email us at plankpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or you can find uh, some stuff on our website, playonk.com, where we've got affiliate links, we've got episodes, we've got stuff. Go check it totally out. Yeah, we are also on Patreon. If you want to support the show with your money and get some bonus content, it's what keeps our show running. It is the only way we make money currently. So go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash playonk. Yes, and then uh, if you want to support the podcast in the freest possible way, the best way to do that is to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. But we do really love the ones on, like, Apple just has, like, a lot of sway. So if you do that at Apple Podcasts, that's really great. It helps other K-Drama Podcast listeners find us. And finally, we are technically on social media. You probably won't see much of us, but we are on Instagram at Play on K Podcast, on X, previously Twitter, at Play on K. And on TikTok at playonkate underscore Emily. Yeah. And I think that's just about it. So we will see you guys next week for the final two episodes of Alchemy of Souls. Have a happy new year, guys. We will see you next week. Happy new year. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.